and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm Ted Berg, joined on the line today by my colleague, Alicia Suji, who has yet to be on the show, and I'm excited about this. How are you? I'm good. I know this is my first time after a while. It's exciting. I, I have to say, I've been meaning to get you on for a long time, but we don't overlap a lot in because you work on the West Coast and I work on the East Coast, and you typically work in what I have since learned is just the afternoon for you, but the straight-up night to me because that's how time zones work. And so it, usually we record Tuesday mornings, and I'm not about to make you wake up at 7 a.m. to talk to me on a podcast. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, well, welcome on, uh, and, and thanks for doing this. Uh, as we, we talked about, and, and like I, I normally do on the first show of the week, I like to go through some things that were cool from the previous week. And so typically, so you get the last word, I start, and I want to start with something I'm, I'm sure you saw because we had it on the site last night, and that is Mr. Alex Trebek rapping on Jeopardy, sort of. Did you catch it? Pretty much. I saw I saw the video with the cut with the music in the back, too. That was great. Uh, the video with the music in the back made it even better. But I think almost just like the the how dry it is when Alex Trebek does anything makes it so good that he's like going through Kendrick Lamar lyrics and such. And I'm old enough that I knew so few of the songs, which was kind of embarrassing because it was for College Jeopardy, which I think is typically aimed at... at obviously college students and songs that they might know. So now I feel like Alex Trebek has like more street hip hop cred than me, which is a little concerning. I guess so. I mean, yeah, but all like whenever he delivers a joke, it's always just flat, but it's hilarious because it's in that same tone of voice. And I feel like and I watch do you watch Jeopardy? Yeah, I do. I watch I am like a religious Jeopardy watcher. I, I don't know that I've like missed an episode in years. And I feel like him as like, it almost feels like he's like the enemy of the contestants because he's so obnoxious at times, like especially when like there's an answer that's French and he has to read it out in like his obscene French accent or whatever. Um, I feel like that makes the show good. I feel like when he leaves and he's getting up there in years, it's just not going to be as good. Yeah, he's just so consistent. I don't see anyone who could beat him. And yeah, I'm, I just looked up his age. He is 74, which is incredible because wow. he's obviously in great shape. And, like, I hope that he can do it forever. But Hemel and I actually talked about this on the last show. I was in the contestant pool for a while. And I didn't make it in, or I didn't get called. I don't know how that works. I don't know if I wasn't good enough at the audition or whatever happened. I passed the original round, like the test to get in. Then I never got called. And at the time, I was like a little bit okay with that because I feel like I have more things to learn before I go on Jeopardy. But I would really like... Also, by the way, one thing I'm bad at, math. He was born in 1940, which means he's 76 years old, going to turn 77 this year. I'm in 2014, so correction on that. Um, but like I said, he's 76 years old. I'd like to be on Jeopardy before Alex Trebek goes off. I don't know if he'll ever. He should just keep doing it forever. I don't know that he can keep doing it forever. Do you know how long he's been on there for? 
Uh, he has been the host of Jeopardy since 1984, his Wikipedia page claims. Wow. That's a good run, right? Like 32 <laughs> to 30, going on 33 years as the host of a TV show. And it's still good. And, like, I don't know. To me, it's the only game show I watch other than, like, if I'm homesick and, and The Price is Right is on, which never happens anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who could even be considered to replace him. They must have a few people in mind. You would think so, but I feel like they'll go with someone who's like a comedian or someone sort of goofier, and I don't want that. Like, Trebek comes from like a news host background and like, and like a, a very much a game show host background, and I feel like how straight he plays it is a big part of the appeal. Whereas if you had like, oh, well, you know, Steve Harvey and Drew Carey or whatever old comedian you want who's now hosting game shows, I feel like I don't want Jeopardy to be wacky. I want Jeopardy to be like, this is serious quiz business. Maybe like Anderson Cooper or something. Right. It would feel it would feel <laughs> like, uh, like a little bit of a strange career turn for Anderson Cooper. But I, I would more likely... I would bet. I think I would better handle Anderson Cooper in that role than like Drew Carey. Uh, give me what's good. Yeah, agreed. Uh, what, what's your? Give me your, your top thing of the week, or not your top thing. Your third best thing, since we we'll, technically we count backwards. My third best thing is uh, King Cake Baby, the tell, mascot. Tell me. Oh, so so tell people who don't know what the King Cake Baby mascot is? So, the King Cake Baby mascot is related to the New Orleans NBA team. And I don't know exactly what year he was introduced, but he's this giant, terrifying baby with, like, a shiny face and a shiny body and then just regular human arms. And he comes around at Mardi Gras time, right? Yeah, so usually, I think it's only, like, December to February or something that they bring out this mascot to do various promotional activities. And this year, because the NBA All-Star Game was in New Orleans, he got a lot more publicity than normal. So what do you... See, see I feel like we're on the same page here, because uh, in talking to you before the show a little, you said you like the King Big Cake Baby... I kind of love the King Cake Baby. What is it about that giant baby that appeals to you? <laughs> I think it's just the creepiness and, like, the huge eyes. And it's just it just catches your eye. And I feel like if it was just a normal, like, cute mascot or a bear or something, no one would talk about it. But because it's so terrifying, it's so fun to just creep people out with it. Yeah, no, I think I think that's exactly it. I feel like every time a team has a new mascot, everyone's like, this is such a creepy mascot. Look at how creepy this mascot is. And like, if you remember the, the Pelicans before their current incarnation of Pierre the Pelican, they had the previous Pierre, and it was so terrifying that they had to send it in. They pretended it was getting a facelift, and they, they brought back a new bird mascot to be the pelican because the old pelican was too scary. I feel like 
with the king cake baby, it's like, well, okay, everybody's gonna do, gonna say that every mascot is creepy anyway, because mascots are kind of yeah. creepy. It's a person in an animal suit, and so a lot, most of the times it's not wearing pants, and a lot of times it's got like a big, scary-looking grin on its face. The p king cake baby represents like owning that as much as you possibly can. Like, well, if we can't make a mascot that's not creepy, let's make the creepiest possible mascot. Yeah, exactly. And I used to be, like, terrified of mascots and Mickey Mouse and stuff when I was little, but I just love King Pig Baby now. I feel like he's perfect. And he has a Twitter account, and he tweets creepy gifts at people, and it's the best. And he's got, like, you gotta look up the King Cake Baby if you haven't seen it at home, and, and now, uh, now it has surpassed in Google Images, like, the actual King Cake Baby. So the, the backstory there is that King cake is a thing that people eat, especially in New Orleans, right before Mardi Gras. And it's incredible, as it, as it so happens. It's a really delicious pastry. Uh, like a cin it's like a, kind of like a giant cinnamon bun. And somewhere in there, they bake in a little plastic baby, which seems like a massive choking hazard to me and a strange tradition. But the tradition is that if you get the baby, you're like the winner, but it'll, I think also it means you have to supply the next year's king cake. Um, but now the king cake baby in the pelican's form has surpassed just the little plastic babies on Google Images. So if you just Google image king cake baby, you will see this thing's terrifying, like you said, shiny face, just sort of half, it's like grimacing back at you. And it has the big blue eyes. It's perfect. Whoever thought of it is genius. Yeah, it is a great mascot design. I'm with you on that. People say, oh, no, it's creepy. Yeah, I think that's the point. It's a giant baby, right? Like, just, like I said, just own it. And then they have it, like, show up at people's houses and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think last year they had it at a grocery store, and it scared an older woman who was walking through the door. So... Uh, I could imagine... Like, so I, I say all of this about the King Cat Cake Baby having not seen it in person, I feel like if you just, like, like, what if you just looked out your window and that thing was staring inside? <laughs> I think it would be fantastic. Yeah, it, it probably would. It's, it's, okay, we're on the same page. We agree. This is a, <laughs> this is a good baby. This is a great baby and a great mascot. Uh, I feel like... I, go on. I think the only two people... We might be the only two people who think that the King Cake Baby is awesome. Well, someone, I mean, probably the guy inside. Oh, yeah, him too. Right? Like, someone's owning this. And some, <laughs> someone was like, I feel like this, it's like almost like a massive troll job. Like, like again, like, oh, they're going to say Pierre the Pelican is creepy? Like, no. I'll show you creepy. <laughs> All right, I want to get to my next one. Uh, and this one's not sports. And it's something that, uh, I, I don't know, I don't really think about enough. I used to think about it more, and it's still kind of a, a funny thing to me to think about. And that is the radio. Do, uh, do, do you ever listen to the radio? Not so much. I think I, I usually only listen to, like, Power 106 for hip-hop music, and that's it. And when, so, so you, you're in L.A., I assume you drive a lot? Do you drive a lot? Yeah, I do. So, see, because I, in New York, I never drive, which means that I listen to my phone, which is my iPod, I listen to Spotify, I'll do, like, some Spotify playlists, and some, I'll even do, like, the Spotify radio and Spotify Discover, 
but I never listen to terrestrial radio. I don't even have, I don't know if maybe do phones, do phone, like can you get radio on the phone? You must be able to get radio on the phone now. You would know this. I have no idea. It feels like you can probably get radio <laughs> on your phone, right, somehow? But, like, I don't think my phone has an FM antenna in there, so I don't know how it would work. But I guess you could probably, like, most of the radio stations stream online now, so you could stream it to your phone. Seems like a lot of work to get a radio station onto your phone when, again, like, you could just listen to Spotify or iTunes or Pandora or whatever other streaming service you had. I was a big Beats Music guy, and then they canned that, and I lost all my playlists and everything, and that was kind of annoying, but not the point. Uh, when I'm driving around Florida, and, and so I'm in Florida right now uh, for spring training, and it in, in, in requires just an incredible amount of driving to, to get around, especially the Tampa area is just, and, and you're not going to have a lot of sympathy for me, but it's a, it's a traffic nightmare here, um, especially when you're not used to sitting in traffic. And so I find that I don't, like I have the little thing attached to plug in my phone to the, to the car, and I have a couple of times, but for the most part I'm too lazy to be bothered with it, and then I don't want to be like texting and driving and, and fumbling with my phone when I'm, on, when I'm on the highway. So I just turn on the radio, and it's kind of weird. It's, it's like a, I, I mean, and, and I don't want to sound like I'm so uh, in my own little bubble that I'm, I'm unaware that the radio moves forward. But, like, there's a whole new radio format now, which is old-school hip-hop, which never existed. Like, 10, 15 years ago, there just were, that was not a, a standard station. Now it feels like every market has that. Um, it feels like I, as now a man in my mid-30s, like, this is, like, a, an example of the world sort of evolving to cater to me, which is kind of how it works. And, and so, like, now they're like, hey, here's all the music you grew up with, and it's on the radio. And I guess what really blows my mind about it, and I think the underappreciated aspect of the radio is that it's just, like, out there in the air. There's just, like, weird waves of music that are all around us right now, and, and I don't really understand how the technology works at all. I don't know how they're, like, I don't know how radio works, but I think it's cool. It's free. It's free music in the air, and, like, sometimes it's good. Sometimes and most it feels like most terrestrial radio stations kind of suck. They play the same songs all the time, but I do appreciate, like, having... Someone else go through my Spotify and pick the same seven songs over and over again to play. <laughs> and it's so funny how that's, it's like a thing now where we're saying, oh, the radio is so great because before it was just the radio and... Right, no, yeah, I mean, no, like, you're, you're, when I was young, like, I, I don't know, I mean, uh, I'm not that old, right, but, like, I remember when the way you found out a new song was it got played on the radio. And while obviously today's distribution channels mean we have access to so much music we wouldn't have heard 20 years ago, like if something cool came out when I was 14 and it wasn't in rotation on the radio stations I was listening to, I had to work to find that. Like now you can just Google whatever and you'll find it immediately. It's online somewhere. It's on YouTube or it's on SoundCloud, whatever. Like it was more, way more of a challenge to find music when I was younger. But I also kind of like that the radio, it's like what we would now call curated by, by DJs, right? Like that, that 
I don't need... I find that, like, in Spotify, I've been on a desperate quest for the last year, basically, to convince myself that I'm not too old to like new music. And so I keep trying to find new music that I like, and I struggle. It's not... I, I tend to just like the stuff I've heard a hundred times more than I like new things. And uh, I think part of that is just being old, for sure. But uh, I also think part of that is that there's so much out there, and it's so overwhelming to try to figure out, like, like and like sometimes I'll be listening to a band, and I'll be like, okay, this is kind of jam, like, I'm getting into it. And then, like, two songs later, I'm like, I feel like this band is lame. And that I would never, if I had a DJ I trusted steering me in the right directions, I would never even found this band. And I was, I tricked myself into thinking it was good because I liked one song, and now I'm listening to it through, and no, this is cheesy, like, lame pop music that I don't want to hear. And sometimes I kind of wish I had someone with good taste just sort of telling me what I should be listening to. I am a subscriber to Tidal, and I just use their, like, what's new music tab and their weird playlists and just cycle through them. I don't even know what Tidal is. It's uh, Jay-Z's music. Oh, okay, I thought you said said Tidal, like, T-I-T-L-E, not Tidal, like, (laughs) T-I-D-A-L. Um, I remember when that came out, but I don't remember, I've never tried that out. Is that... How does it compare to Spotify? Because I've got my I've got several beefs with Spotify, many of which I have just listed. Title is pretty much exactly the same, <laughs> except I think it just has extra playlists from like sometimes they'll get random NBA players to make playlists and they'll just stick them on. So that's sometimes cool, though. That see, like I even try I will try to find like okay, here's a band I like. Or here's a song I like, even, and then I try to search for, like, here's the playlists that this song appears on. Like, I'm trying. I'm making a noble effort here to, to like new music, and I am failing, and I am convinced it's that, like, I don't have, uh, uh, I don't know, Kyrie Irving or someone to steer me in the right direction. <laughs> uh, speaking of which... Uh, let's get to what is your, give me a, another good thing. Uh, well, I, I just teased one of your future good things. The other, the huge thing that was a big NBA story until Boogie got traded and everything else happened was Kyrie saying that the earth is flat so, on a podcast. Yeah, so I'm, I saw it, like, I, 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 again, I'm sort of, like, off in my own world now in Florida, and so I haven't been participating in the internet as much as I normally am. I saw that that happened. Can you tell me how it played out? Yeah, so um, I don't know when it was. I think it was recorded either a week before or a few days before this past Friday, and they dropped it in the morning uh, just before All-Star Weekend, and it's Kyrie Irving, Richard Jefferson, Channing Frye of the Cavaliers, plus... A host named Allie Clifton, and they do a podcast. And Kyrie just started talking. Is it about, always is it always those guys on the podcast, or is it does they is it okay? It's it's Richard Jefferson and Channing Frye's podcast, but Kyrie has been on it once before. So it's okay. basically whoever wants to join in on it. Um, but the last time Kyrie was on it, he talked about his quote was 
time is a misconception. Huh. And he just all like kind of wacky and weird. So Well, time is a misconception is an interesting one. Like that I, I don't know, at least it makes you think for a few like what does that even mean? You know, like do and like that's something that, that like comes up in sci fi sometimes, right? Like no yeah. time is a is, as a linear concept is a human construct and all moments have always existed and will always exist and, and it's just us that are sort of stuck in this timeline. I don't buy it personally, but I've heard that before. Where did it go? From well that was like last month or something, but it I don't think he really explained what he meant. Because the thing about the podcast is it's not super organized, so <laughs> if someone jumps in and says something else, they just switch topics really quick. Um, but with Kyrie saying the Earth is flat, there was nothing that no one asked him, like, do you think the Earth is flat? He just came out and said it. Like, this is a conspiracy, the Earth is flat. Um, he said, he kept talking about a they. Like, all these things, they give us they give us this information to make us fearful and they asked him who they was and they like flip topics so he never fully explained it um but his reasoning is that if you think about it th these are his words if you think about it from a landscape of the way we travel the way we move and the fact that you can really think of us rotating around the sun and all the planets aligned rotating in specific dates being perpendicular with what's going on with these planets and stuff like this. And that was the reasoning. And I think, I so I read that someone pointed out that he was doing air quotes when he said planets too, right? Yeah. So yeah. I guess he doesn't think planets exist, maybe? <laughs> I don't even know. Do you, well, just, let's just, uh, I mean, we don't talk that often. Do you believe that the Earth is round? I do believe that the Earth is round. All right, good. We're on the same page. And I'll tell you, like, I feel like, and maybe this is confirmation bias, but I feel like if I, like, lay down at the beach and look up, I can tell from the sky that the Earth is round. It just, it looks like a dome, right? It looks like you're under a dome. And I, I guess, you know, the way gravity operates and Earth's sort of, like, the, the stratosphere and the, the Earth's atmosphere in general just makes it look round to me and, and like I, I get that like there are or there were people who believed the earth was flat in like 1492 right but my understanding yeah. is that even in 1492 all of the smart people knew that the earth was round it was just like Columbus convinced his own sailors that the earth was was round because it was a, a belief among sailors that when a ship went over the horizon, which we know to be the ship disappearing because the Earth is round, right? Yes. But they thought that that was the ship just sort of falling off the face of the Earth. Uh, but that's not, that has never, I don't even know. I don't, I don't know. Didn't he go to Duke? He, well, they all, the thing they joke about on the podcast, too, is that he barely went to any classes, because I think he only played 11 games for them. Okay. Still, right? Like it, but I mean, still. That's yeah. like a, I mean, isn't that a semester at Duke? Right? Like, if Duke, uh, I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. I don't, that's like, it's like, if you just were joking around and saying like, oh, yeah, one conspiracy, I believe, like. So Curtis Granderson, a guy in the Mets, who is like a 
no, sort of a notably nice guy and like a guy who always says the right thing. A couple years ago, someone from the New York Post said, like, you're so nice and you never say anything controversial. What's one controversial thing you believe? And he said, like, well, I think maybe the moon landing was faked, right? And I don't think the moon landing was faked, but I understand that conspiracy theory. I also think that Granderson, in that case, was asked, tell us something controversial, like, very outright, right? And and that's different. First of all, like, I've seen the same movie. And there's some, like, pretty good evidence that the moon landing is faked. I don't believe the moon landing is faked. My grandfather worked on some stuff that's on the moon right now, so I don't want the moon landing to, to, be, to be faked. But I, I get that. I get believing that that was something. Because there would be a purpose for it, right? If, if the U.S. and Russia were in this arms race and the U.S. wanted to convince Russia that we were way ahead, yeah, you could fake the moon landing and it would mess with Russia. I don't even understand what they would, how they, the Kyrie Irving they, how do people benefit? How does anybody benefit from us all wrongly believing the, wor- the world is round? And that was one of the things the, the host, who's, she's a reporter, Ali, she asked him, like, why would you question these things when you're never going to find the answer? Like, no one's ever going to be like, okay, fine everyone agrees the earth is flat and he he went into this whole ex- explanation about how he's trying to live free of thoughts yeah, it sounds was, like it <laughs> i'm okay with there not being an answer so yeah <laughs> oh yeah i mean that's that's a that's far out that's so far like it seems like i mean and, and like i i don't know have we had any indications before this other than the time being a misconception thing because I, I don't follow basketball nearly as closely as you do. I know Kyrie Irving to be, like, a, a good distributor. Have we had any prior indications that he might be, like, a, a totally crazy person? I don't think so. At least not to media. Maybe his closer friends knew, but I don't think there was ever a story where he said anything too crazy. Because he went off into... He also talked about the moon landing being fake, in this podcast and uh, his conspiracy theories about Bob Marley's assassination and other things too. So <laughs> there's a lot. He just kind of brought it up out of nowhere. It was weird. So, I mean, how could you, you can't believe in the moon landing if you think the earth is flat, right? There's no, uh, that one, that has to line up, right? It, it, I don't know, because it's from space that they took pictures showing the earth to be round. Uh, but where does he even think, where does he think China is? I don't know. And he's from Australia. He was born in Australia. This makes so little sense. Like, what about, like, the, the flushing the toilet thing in Australia? Does he not? Oh, oh, this is, this is kind of blowing my mind. This is, like, the, yeah. I, I love that this came up because it's just, like, a funny conversation to have that, like, there are still people who believe the earth is flat. But how do you still believe the earth is flat? I know, and the craziest thing is I, I talked to a Duke professor. Um, I called him on the phone and asked him about this, and his reaction wasn't like how we're reacting, saying this is crazy. His reaction was, well, maybe he's just questioning things, and that's a good thing, and he was very calm and measured about it. And, and look, like, questioning things is a good thing. And, like, maybe wondering for a moment, like, hey, could the Earth possibly be flat? Could there be a massive conspiracy to convince me 
otherwise, like, fine, have that thought, right? But, like, when it becomes a belief, it's like, what, what, I don't even understand what went into it. I had a, I, I will say, I had a roommate in college who didn't believe in dinosaurs. <laughs> Did not believe dinosaurs existed. Thought it was a, a big hoax. And again, it was a great, like, he could not, he could not explain how anyone stood to benefit from burying, from creating and burying dinosaur bones. But he just, he was like, you know, that's all BS, right? Uh, what do you mean? Dinosaurs, they never existed. And was like fully serious about it. And that was like kind of, that was a big turning point, I think, in, in my relationship with that roommate. <laughs> nice guy, really nice guy, but didn't believe in dinosaurs. Very strange. Draymond, Draymond Green said the same thing this weekend, too. When asked about the Earth being flat, he was like, "Well, we don't know if dinosaurs are real either." I mean, uh, but again, like that, uh, like while ridiculous, I'm uh, because why would there be dinosaur bones? We haven't seen dinosaur. I've never seen a dinosaur. You, no one alive has seen a dinosaur. So I can understand. Like I, 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 I believe wholeheartedly that dinosaurs existed because. I've seen dinosaur bones, right? And, like, I've been to the La Brea Tar Pits to bring in, like, an L.A. reference. But uh, I don't I don't know how... The Earth is Flat is just so much further along the conspiracy theory line to me. It's just, like, so far out. Like, if you want to, again, like, if you want to believe there's no moon landing, if you want to believe there's no dinosaurs, like, that's fine. I, I, I get it. I don't agree, but I get it. But the Earth is Flat. It just... Come on. <laughs> Come on! Uh, yeah, and everyone was saying, because right when that came out, people were like, well, maybe he was just joking, but if you listen to that podcast, he doesn't, he sounds dead serious, so I don't think he's joking at all. Well, and didn't he, did he, uh, maybe I read this wrong, but did he double down at, at NBA, at the All-Star game and say, like, yeah, no, no, I'm, I wasn't kidding? Yeah, the same day it dropped, that night, an ESPN reporter went up to him and just asked him about it, and he was like, well, people should do their own research, and I don't mind going against the grain of how everyone else thinks. So. But then the next day, he was saying he wouldn't give a definitive answer. He was just kind of like, well, I don't get why this is news, and just brushed it off and got super defensive. And It's news it. because you came out publicly against, like, the one the one scientific fact practically everyone else in the world agrees on, right? Like, that does make it news. Yeah. That, does, uh, that is, oh, man, it's so weird. It's so good. It's so weird. I, I want to go, I want to move on. I could I could <laughs> just say how weird this is for the next 25 minutes, but I'm not going to do that. That would be bad podcasting. Uh, my <laughs> last thing, and it's not, it's not the, uh, it's weird to say a best thing, but... Uh, I I happened to be at, at Yankees camp today, and Alex Rodriguez announced in sort of a shockingly uh, boring, I want to say, manner that he has retired. This is a guy that, uh, if you're a New York-based baseball writer for the last five, ten years, or however long I've been doing it, has been kind of just, and this is not on a personal level, uh, I'll get to that in just a second, but uh, on a professional level, 
a massive headache because A-Rod's always making news. A-Rod's always, like, there's always a new A-Rod thing. If I am out on a Saturday enjoying my day and I get a text message from someone that I need to go work, like, 95% of the time over the past few years, that has had something to do with A-Rod. So, part of me is like, phew, okay. Now I know A-Rod's not going to do any sort of wacky thing that's going to force me into work. But at the same time, I, I got to sit down with him for quite some time in the postseason when he was doing his stuff with Fox. And I was there at his press conference today. And I feel like he's a guy that sort of, because of because he's multiple times used performance-enhancing drugs and multiple times initially lied about it and then admitted it, uh, people understandably sort of meet everything he does with a good deal of cynicism, and I get it, and I recognize that he's earned that, but at the same time, I would say, and, and, uh, I thought about this a lot today, because he, he kept saying, you know, no, I'm, I'm content, I'm, I'm happy to be done, I don't want to play anymore, and, like, I just want to be, I'm, I'm, grateful to the Yankees for the opportunity to play more because, remember, they, they might not have brought him back after his suspension, and then he, you know, I want to be a good dad and I want to be a, a role model for the, the younger Yankees, and, and basically saying every single right thing he could say. And so I think a lot of people sort of look at that with cynicism or skepticism and say, like, well, no, it's this is the same guy who lied to us years ago. Why do we believe him now? And while I get that, I kind of want to believe that A-Rod really did change a little bit. And, and that's what he claims. And I don't know. I, I don't really have any good reason to doubt him. I feel like people can change. I sure hope people can change because... I'm not satisfied with where I'm at, and I'd like to get better at various things. And so I don't see why we have to say, oh, A-Rod is full of it when he says he's happy to be done and all he wants to do is be a good dad. I want to just believe that. I don't know. I, maybe it's just like some optimism in me, or uh, maybe I just kind of like A-Rod because he was one of the best players I've ever seen and because... Like I said, he was super nice when I when I sat down with him in, in October. Uh, but I think on a larger from a larger standpoint, I just want to think that maybe someone who behaved in strange and sometimes inexplicable manners in the past can figure his stuff out and act in, according to the ways we believe are normal. Yeah, I feel like. And I feel like a lot of the guys with broadcasting careers, too, they kind of, like, you have to have a certain personality to be on there. And it, I feel like it changes their personality a little bit when you're on TV so much and interacting with a lot of people. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think also for him, and, and I, I picked this up certainly when, when talking to him, I think that the, you know, he was sort of a guy who was widely hated as a player. And... Putting him on TV and, and for him going on TV, I think, was an incredible PR move because I don't think he was ever as bad a dude as... I think he was a conflicted dude and an insecure dude and a, certainly a guy who lied to the public multiple times. But I don't know that... I, I think a lot of times with baseball and especially, you know, over the past 
10, 15 years or whatever it was when baseball's been enduring all these different performance-enhancing drug scandals, you know, people like to paint it as like a black-and-white evil versus good thing. And once you take the steroid, that makes means you are an evil guy and not, uh, well, you took a steroid because you believed you would get away with it because you've been invincible since you were 18, or you took a steroid because you're desperate to be the best you possibly can, and, and whatever other psychological factors go into that, and, and I, don't, I don't think it's ever been a good versus evil thing, and, and I think that, you know, putting A-Run on TV, and, and for him just going on TV and being, uh, having us all see that he's just a guy, you know, and he happens to be a guy who knows a ton about baseball, and very clearly, I think the one thing no one doubts about A-Rod is that he, he really clearly loves baseball, and so I think that's been huge for him in terms of public perception, and, and maybe also in terms of just changing his attitude, certainly towards the media now being on the other side of it. Uh, I think that just humanizing him has has been good for for everyone, because I think probably baseball fans will look back on his career a lot differently now that he's done the postseason stuff than they would have if he just sort of, you know, went away when he finished playing. What was the, like, atmosphere like when he made the announcement today? It, it was kind of weird, you know, because he didn't, he wasn't really even an announcement. It was just, you know, he was there in Yankees camp as a spring training instructor, and he had said, you know, he, he played until August last year. The Yankees basically announced they were going to cut him, and so they made a day out of it. They gave him, like, A-Rod Day, and he had his pregame ceremony, and he had a double in the game, and then, you know, he, he came off the field, and, and his teammates all clapped for him. And, like, that was a nice thing, but he was four home runs shy of 700 and, and 18 short of Babe Ruth, and so everybody kind of figured he would find a home someplace and, and play there. And so... You know, it, it sounded almost as if from, from today, like, he had been resigned to being retired for a while and just never really got around to telling anybody, uh, which is funny because certainly he'd have the forum. So uh, it was like the third or fourth question he answered. Someone was like, hey, are you retired? And he was like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm done. And they said, like, do you want to play again? He said, no, I have zero interest in playing again. And so it wasn't like, you know, I, I don't know, I would have expected – like, uh, you know, him sort of formally announcing his, you know, maybe crying a little bit and saying he was done. But it was nothing like that. It was, like, so casual. Considering how big of a baseball celebrity he has been over the past 20 years, for him to just be like, he didn't even say, I am now retiring, or, like, I, Alex Rodriguez, quit baseball. He was just like, yeah, I'm retired. Like, it was just only because someone asked that he felt like bringing it up. You'd think he'd do something on the Players' Tribune. Well, uh, that's, I mean, I think that probably might be complicated by his relationship with Derek Jeter, <laughs> um, but I don't know that for sure, but I, I wonder if he would be, like, super, uh, Jeter wasn't at his going away celebration, and I, I kind of wonder if A-Rod would be, like, super eager to, to hook up with Derek Jeter again on a, on a professional level. That's just conjecture on my part, but uh, that would be kind of my suspicion there. Yeah, I feel like all all athletes now, when they do their retirements, it's either in a video or some sort of written thing that they schedule for a very specific time. And yeah, that's I, that's yeah. I would have guessed. Yeah, uh, that's how I would have guessed. If you had asked me, like, oh, how will A Rod retire? I would have guessed it would be 
a letter that he wrote and shared on all his social media accounts that was like a heartfelt thank you to Yankees fans and signed Alex Rodriguez. I'm sorry for all the times I took steroids. Uh, I love you all. Goodbye. But no, it was nothing like that. It was just like, yeah. Like he just said yes. So that was it. That was, that was how he announced his retirement. Someone said, are you retired? And he said yes. It was like without, with like zero uh, pomp and circumstance. It was very strange. Um, but kind of cool. Anyway, give me uh, the last good thing of the week. Um, the last thing is related to Kyrie, kind of, in that this podcast that Richard Jefferson and Channing Frye are doing is the most amazing thing out there for player, like player-created content, because it's totally driven by their conversation, and there's no, like, I feel like there's no line that the team PR, anyone is saying, you can't say this, or you can't say that. They just talk for an hour about whatever they want. It sounded like they had a cool one with Bill, that was then that had Bill Walton on? Yeah, they had Bill Walton on yesterday. He said his home address twice, because I guess he's like, oh, everyone knows it already, and he was just talking about parties at his house in Arizona, and for an hour. <laughs> he, so he, he said his home address in Arizona and he's having parties. So I'm going to be in Arizona in next month. Can I just show yeah. up? Can I, can I like, Get knock on up. Bill Walton's door? Is that cool? Because they were asking him. They were, like, Richard Jefferson recited it. He was telling a story, and he just said the address, the zip code, like, everything. <laughs> and Allie, the reporter, was like, wait, do you want to give his address on here? And he was like, oh, it's all right. Everyone knows where I live anyway. Like, uh, I guess Everyone so. knows where I live. That's just not, like, something... You, you, don't, you don't get a lot of famous guys saying that. So if you want to drop by Bill Walton's house, just listen to the latest episode of their podcast. That does sound... I mean, look, I don't want to endorse other podcasts on this podcast, <laughs> but that sounds like a way better podcast than this one. <laughs> and, uh, like, one of the earlier ones, they were... They just tell the craziest stories that they would never tell a reporter. Like, I think they said during the playoffs last year, Kevin Love missed a game, but he said he missed it on purpose so that Richard Jefferson could get a start in the playoffs, which just seems like a crazy thing, but they just dropped it out there. And Is it that, like, not enough people are... Like, what? How? Yeah. That is, that is really interesting, and... Makes me wonder, like, is it? Do they think that not enough people are listening? That there's good because I, I feel like th like th we and the media have kind of like created this atmosphere where athletes don't say a lot of things to reporters because everything a guy says that's anyway as this is especially true in baseball. Like, if a guy steps out of the normal straight and narrow line, it's going to be twisted and turned around and yelled about on talk radio, and it's going to be. Well, why is Kyrie Irving studying about the flat earth if he should be studying video? And, like, you know, it's, a, it's especially true in baseball, but I think it's true in all sports that, like, we kind of act like athletes should just be only playing sports all the time or making themselves better at all sports all the time. Even though if you were, like, working out 15 hours a day in the offseason, you would injure yourself. You don't actually want that. You want guys having lives. But we've created this sort of culture where we don't want guys having lives and saying interesting stuff because it's only going to get thrown back in their faces when something goes wrong on the court or on the field or wherever. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's cool and it's interesting. 
and it, it makes me wonder about the future of podcasts like this one if the actual athletes we want to hear from are putting together interesting podcasts. Yeah, I, was, I think they thought that nobody was listening, but I think a lot of people are. At least because if you're in the media and players are putting out podcasts, you're going to listen to them. So um, I think Kyrie might not say anything for a while. See, and that's a shame. And that's a shame. But see, like, and now we're, we're a part of it because we just spent, like, I spent 15 minutes wondering how crazy this guy could possibly be that he thinks the earth is flat. And now, like, maybe there is a baseball player who thinks the earth is flat. And now he knows not to say anything because we're like, oh, my God. Um, so we're participating, or I'm participating, and I feel bad about that, but I also uh, have rent to pay, so we got to do what we got to do. But I mean, there's a lot of other outlets, too, with, um, like, player-focused uh, content, where the players are making their own content. So that, it's, I don't think it's going to go away at all. That's true, and I think that, yeah, I think uh, ultimately it's... It's on us to adjust and contextualize and figure out what we're doing. But uh, we're up against the time limit here, and uh, we should we should go. You can check out the podcast. The Four Little Podcast is on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud. We're working out some iTunes issues. I promise it will start updating soon. We're going to figure that one out. Uh, Alicia, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Peace out.